Ruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem B'Rach Nuchim Aves Hashem Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir Shir The always Lil Nishmas Elisa Shlamis Tonight also Is Lil Nishmas of Yitzchak Ben Marzachai Yotzeit, upcoming Yotzeit on Yud Beis Sivan. We went through Shavuos. We got through Shavuos. Baruch Hashem went through Shavuos. We sometimes can talk about the virtues of a person as we know them, as we've met them, as we've dealt with them, as we've had any dealings with them, or any connection to them. And then there are times we need to rely on hearsay or what other people say about the person. And then there are times where we simply look at the production. We look at the next generation. And we look at the next generation and we say, judging in America the expression is the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and we judge by the child, the children of the person and we can see what the person ultimately was what the person put in to his family and what his family stood by and meant to him so tonight as we Talk about the yard site of the upcoming yard site, Yitzchak ben Malachai Zal, or the yard site of tonight's yard site, actually. A good friend of mine, Rene El Adad, his father. Um, I have to remember the name. Ellie, can you give me that big sitter there, please? Laying flat on the shelf, yes. Thank you. 
Reb David ben Machluf. Rajat said this actually tonight. And also, two people that I've never met, but yet I've known the children, and knowing from the children, I can see and we can envy these people as what they have brought up and what they have accomplished in this world. And their accomplishments, every person's accomplishment in this world, is what they leave behind, the children they leave behind. Also today, Tess Sivan was a day that in my family we hold very dear, as it was the uh, anniversary of my parents, Shalom. It was also a very big moment for us, being that, of course, them being married is something that means very much to us as existence today, as being testimony to that wonderful event. Thank you. Pasha's Nosoi, we go according to the name of the Pasha. Nosoi Yisraelish B'nai Yisrael, one should raise up the head of the Jews. It's also the concept of counting them, but also the way the Jews needed to be elevated. And in the Pasha we have several, many famous mitzvahs, I believe 15 in total. Amongst the very famous mitzvahs is Ish, Ish, Kisista, Ishtay, the concept of Seita, which we will discuss at length, since we just finished Mesech the Seita, um, over the course of Svira Saimer, having 49 blot in Svira, and 49 days of Svira, 49, 49 pages, 49 blot of the Gemara, and 49 days of Svira. We say that the Pasuk says, Ish, Ish, Kisista, Ishtay. Amen. Be keeping score at home. It's in the beginning of the Gimel. That a man whose wife sins. And the Gimel says, Another may be Raveda Ella Imke Nichnesas Beiru Ashtus. A person does not sin unless a spirit of folly enters their minds. Shanema says, Ish Ish Kisista Ishte. Sister, Siv. And the sister is Lushen of Shtus. Folly. If that's the case, and the sin is only because of a Ruach Shtus, because of a folly, and every sin is connected that way, Even the simplest of sins of the Chachamim, Barakatavim, and the Chachamim, and the Chachamim, and the Chachamim, the old Baal Yerzeit, and the Shamash Shavaliyah. Amen. Perik of Dalit of Tanya, Dalit Rebbe explains even the simplest of Avedis is caused by this spirit of folly. If that's the case, 
Why do we learn it from Saita? The story of Saita, of the wayward wife, is a very severe sin. A woman, a married woman, behaving inappropriately with another man, not her husband, And the husband warns her, stay away from him. And witnesses testify. To her going off to a quiet place alone. And they are alone at a certain time that they could perhaps sin. Tells us the Tana. This woman is brought before the Kayin. And they take they make a potion. This potion is made up of the Pasha and the Tana which is scraped off of the tar- parchment and other things. The woman has to bring a karbim mincha, and the woman needs to drink. When the woman drinks this potion, if she is indeed guilty, the Tata tells us of her horrific, horrific death. If, however, she was not guilty, she becomes pregnant. Now she tells us the great benefits the easier childbirth or the more pure the more beautiful child and of course also the child being a special Talmud Kochem etc why out of this severe, severe sin is the one that the Taylor decides to teach us Rather, the idea, the din of Satan, is not a proof to us that this sin comes from stupidity, from folly. Rather, this is an explanation to all other sins. Anytime one goes against the Ratzin of Hashem, excuse me, to the most severe or the most light, only comes from Rashtus. And we know, of course, that the din of Satan only applies to a married woman. Who is the Ishik Shada? Ha'isa A woman is a Ishik Shada, a pure woman, when she does the want of her husband. Here this woman who is a married woman did not and therefore she is considered a Saita. Huh? Unfortunately there were many. If what? If she's not warned, no. All this has to be in place, has to be warned, etc. 
still discuss that. Same thing is when it comes to the Jew and Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Jews, as we're going to soon explain in elaborate fashion, are married to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And being that we are married to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, therefore, this entire Seita scenario comes to play not just in a figurative speech but rather in actuality (laughs) very interesting question to go on the reverse also. Um, in actuality, a man can first of all have more than one wife. In the Torah times, didn't Yaakov have? No, it's the other way around actually. Today in Lakewood, they want to marry more than one wife. Really? Because yeah, because <laughs> one wife can't support family. <laughs> He's sitting and learning. Um, boy, could I get in trouble for that one? Anyway, um, so really, in essence, a man could marry a second wife. You, so they don't have that Aveda as the Aishas Ish has, who's tied with Iksuba, bound with Iksuba to her husband. The Ramban tells us in the beginning of Bereshis, Hakosav Yagid Bitakhtenim, Vigirmeis Belyenim. The Pasuk is talking to the world here below, but rather it is hinting, implying the heavens above. All mitzvahs in the Torah go into the deepest of depth of the concept of Pardis. Pardis, the Torah, Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Said. And so too comes the mitzvah of Saita. All the facts of this mitzvah are physically and spiritually. So now, according to your question, of a man sinning against a wife, Ish and Isha, the Lamata, the Ish and Isha of this world, are compared to the Ish and Isha of above, which is Yisrael, the marriage between God and the Jewish nation which ultimately is the Pasha right after Shavuos this concept of the jealousy of the warning as we said before can only go if there's a warning 
of the warning took place when the Almighty gave the Torah on Hasinai. By Matan Torah, this is considered the warning. We heard no strangers, no outsiders, nobody else, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So what is it, what is the hiding in that case? Where does the hiding come into place? His hiding is an opposite, the total opposite. When a person acts different than the way they're supposed to, different than the prescribed act behavior of the Tata, then the person is considered as if they are hiding. How does that work? We just mentioned before the Pasuk, Ish, Ish, Kisista, Ishtay. As we said, So where is the hiding come when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Who can hide? HaKadosh Baruch Hu already says, in the Pasuk is in Yirmiya, until the Motsa Kuflam should one hide in hidden places and I God should not see them found this God so how is it possible to hide from God that ain't not a person but the God who sees everything and everywhere how could you hide from him There's a Gemara that tells us, you keep your score at home again, it's Mesechta Saita, on Daf Hei Amr Aleph. Kolodim Shiesh Gasus Haruach. Any person that has haughtiness, they become very proud of themselves, they have gaiva. We cannot coexist. God says that anyone that is too haughty cannot coexist with God. The Baal Shem Tov explains on the Pasukim, If a person hides, Vani and I, the person thinks that he's an Adam Khashuv. He thinks he is somebody. He's a man of value. And he says, Ani, me, I. Then, He cannot see eye to eye with the faith of God, with the greatness of God. But, says the Baal Shem Tov, if we read the passage differently, If a person hides, Vani loy, but I do not consider myself an I. I do not consider myself a Matthias. At Enu Numashem, I will be show, you'll be shown the greatness of God. So we see, therefore, that the Balgaida, the haughty person, 
does not coexist by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kilo, as if God doesn't even see him. And therefore it's considered stira. He's hiding. Further in the Gemara, Mesech the Seta, keeping score at home, it's Chafhei Amir Aleph. 25 side 1. Baal Shemachala Kinuyav. Kinuyav Machal. If the husband says, no, 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 I take it back. I forgive her for her inequity. I forgive her for her inappropriate behavior. I do not want her punished. I do not want her subjected to this. Then we take it back, says the Gemara. But this is all talking about if he did this before she went to hide. But if he warned her, and he showed and he expressed the jealousy, and then she went to hide, he can no longer retract. What do you mean by hiding? She did that? She was about that? She went with another man. No, she went with another man. A Jew in the Abishta has also a marriage. And therefore, us being the Knesset cell, being the wife, we had now that I hide from our husband. And since our husband told us by Matantera how to behave and how to exist, anytime a person does an Aveda, they're going against that. What is the reason when he can retract and when can he not retract? And it's simple. As long as the Kinui is Kayim, how long does this warning have effect? This is only the husband can do this. The Torah gave the husband this power to hide, to, to warn the wife, expresses jealousy. Since he's got the key to do it, he's the one that can cause this, therefore he can forgive it. It's like the Gemara says, the mouth that forbade it, the same mouth can make it permissible. But once she hid, once she went with this person that she was warned she not let to be with, It's no longer the warning of the husband that's keeping her in problem, that's giving her a problem. Now, at this point in time, it's the actual action that she did, and therefore the husband can no longer retract. If a husband is with another woman, it doesn't matter if they're getting married or they're not getting married. He is not... If she's a married woman, then he's punishable by death as well. If she's not a married woman, then the tailor has different laws for that. Um, how much he has to pay her for damages, etc., etc., for being with her. But as an actual sin... Um, that goes into the level of the ramifications of a seita 
it will not take effect. It's a total different level of sins, which we're not going to discuss now. After. The Gemara Yerushalmi, Yerushalmi is different, Prakim, different formats. And the Gemara Yerushalmi, if you're going to go look it up, you're going to keep score. It's a Sanhedrin, Perekhes, Alok Avov. And the Yerushalmi says that the Mechilas Habal, Yechelah Lahayil, as long as I don't erase the Megillah of the tail of the parchment, the husband can still retract. Even after she went to hide with this other man. The Rebbe learned by a very, very special Goyen, a great Goyen, who was known as the Ragachava. The Ragachava Goyen explain that there's no real argument it's not real dispute between Bavli and Yerushalmi according to Yerushalmi it's talking about when the woman went to hide with this other man her entire essence her existence was only because she was warned for example, if he told her, don't go along with your father, or with a hundred men, I don't want you going with a hundred men into a room, which is a little bit exaggerated as we say in America. Because as far as Yichud is concerned, there's no Yichud over here. So therefore, his warning causes this whole problem. So therefore, the husband can always retract this. From this we understand, therefore, when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael, when it comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael, since the truth is that it's always less hasar there is nowhere that we don't stand in front of God. The truth is, it's not possible a mitzias that a Jew should be hidden from God. Not because God does not want to accept the person that's about Gaiva, although He says Tayevis Hashem. Kigovalev in Mishlei. And also, as we said before, Veinani, Vehu Yechelon Lodu. But the whole Metzias of this Tira, of the hiding, is only done because this is what Akadosh Baruch Hu said. And therefore, Akadosh Baruch Hu has the potential to forgive this, to retract. He's not retracting on the person, should not be should not hide but he does not want the person punished so when does this mechila help even if this whole metzias of the hiding was because he warned as long as it didn't get erased 
I got a loose wire. I finished it. I fixed it. Okay. The erasing of the Megillah is taking the letters off of the cloth, off of the parchment. So this action tells us that even before we did the erasing, the cloth and the letters were not one thing. If you they became if they were one, you would not be able to separate them. We once discussed, we once told the story of the let's finish this one thought first. If they were one thing, therefore when we engrave in a stone, you can't take it out, you can't erase it. Unless you take away parts of the stone as well. We once told the famous story, the two friends were walking, they were friends all their life, they were friends from childhood. And one day they're walking on a beach, and suddenly one friend turns to the other one and whacks him across the face. What a friend! The person that got hit takes a staff, a stick, and he writes in the sand, Today, on this and this date, my friend slapped me. Weeks go by, the incident doesn't repeat itself. All of a sudden, out of the blue again, they're in a field, and he turns around and slaps them again. And he takes again, and he writes a stick in the mud. Today, my friend, slap me. A while later, they were on a beach and they were swimming and this friend they got slapped twice and started to lose himself and he couldn't swim he started drowning his friend the slapper grabbed him and pulled him out of the water and saved his life when he recuperated the friend took out a knife from his pocket went over to a stone and he engraved today my friend saved my life so the friend said to him I don't understand the last two times we had anything any interaction he didn't want to remind him he slapped him the other interactions you wrote it in sand in mud and now you decided to engrave it in a stone. Why Why the change of heart? He said, I'll tell you the truth. When you slapped me, I was very hurt and very upset. And I had to write it down. So I wrote it down in sand on a beach. So the water, the wave comes across it and wipes it out and I forget about it. And the same thing in the mud in the forest. It gets trampled and I've, it won't be seen anymore. 
and so too I want to forget about it. Whereas saving my life, that I don't want to forget. That I engraved in the stone, so I never forget it. So this is the same thing. The letters that are off the Megillah, that come off the Megillah, they obviously were not one with the Megillah. They were not one with the parchment. The only thing is one is if it's engraved in stone. Learning Torah can be two ways. Either written letters or engraved letters. There are times a person learns Torah and he becomes one with his Torah. You see literally that he and his Torah are one thing, one entity. So much so that he loses his whole identity and becomes one with the Torah. That's Chakika. It's engraved in his heart. And then there are times where a person learns Torah in a form of written. Although the Torah is beautiful and complete, it's like ink on a parchment. To begin with, it was a Matthias of its own. It was its own entities. And the ink is its own entity, and the parchment its own entity. They were united. And they'll stay together until they fall off one from the other. These are the two things that can be erased. The Megillah that remains in whole, intact. And the same comes when it comes to learning Torah. When it comes to the study of Torah, there are times a person doesn't realize even that the Kalaf is its own. They can't even recognize that this Kalaf had any kind of letters of Torah on it. It's not recognizable even. Therefore, when we say the Megillah was not erased, we refer to when a Jew learns Torah in a way that Chakika, it's engraved within him, and it's not possible to erase it. Since he and the Torah are one, even though there was a concept of stira somewhere along the road, he got a little bit haughty, he got a little bit swell-headed. This is only an outside concept. But deep down within, God forgives him, because it's not erased from the parchment. But if it gets erased, and he shows that he and the Torah are two separate entities, it's possible that this ego, this haughtiness, takes him over totally. Then he falls to the level of a Saita. And he has to bring a mincha of Sa'idim. Why Sa'idim? Because Sa'idim is the food of animals. And since you acted like an animal, you have to bring food like an animal. And only a tenth of an ephah, which is the poverty level. And he has to work on himself to become a poverty-stricken person in his, with his ego and everything else. Once a person reaches and ascertains this level, then they are pure, they are tahar la Baruch Hu.
Not only that, they become to a higher level. As the Pasuk finishes off, Veniksa Venizra Zara. Zara. Person is clean and the person raises beautiful children. As the Gemara explains, again in Saita, keeping score at home, it's Chavav Amir Aleph, 26 side 1. Where the Gemara explains, if she gave birth till now painfully, if she was Yeledes, meaning the work that she did, the Teldeseim of a Tzadik, the children of a Tzadik, the nation, the Jewish nation is called Amech Kulam Tzadikim, their children are the Maisim Tevim. And if before the Maisim Tevim, the Kiyam Mitzvahs, until now were painful, now they will be easy. For the Balchuva stands where the Balchuva the Mokimish Balchuva Eimdim, Ein Tzadikim Gemurim Yechelim Lamid. The place where the Balchuva stands, the greatest of Tzadikim cannot stand. And therefore we finish off another concept. If she was having girls until now, she will have boys, says the Gemara. And the difference between male and female in service to Hashem. I'm going to get in trouble now if I say this. Will I? They're not inferior, God forbid. The Gemara looks, it keeps scored home, it's the Shabbos, Lamed, Gimel, Lamed, Beis. The Gemara says about women that daita kala. Their minds are easier. You can convince them sometimes. This moment that a person does a sin, he is turning away. But if he's going to stay as a zakhar, steadfast, like a pig-headed man, then he will not change his way. And therefore you let the zakharim make the, take it the strength of zakhar in the service of Hashem. And he goes from day to day, from strength to strength. The Teda Mitzvahs, they accept, they work and continue forever. Until Svas Emes Tikin Lahad, and all this is with Kayach and Bittel and Vegdus Hashem. Many years ago, in the time of the Baal Shem Tov, there was a very great Rebbe, Nachim Yitzchok Maharki. Nachim Yitzchok Maharki had a prize student. His name was Lipa. Lipa was a, a prodigy. A protege and a prodigy. He put everything into Lipa. He found Lipa when the time came, a beautiful, fantastic bride, a very wealthy family, by the wedding, there were dignitaries from everywhere. The celebration, the joy was just unbelievable. And the highlight of the evening, Lipa said, Ibshetl, Edvatera. And Lipa expounded on the story of thoughts so, so profoundly. Everyone was spellbound. But if you looked around in the room, the one who enjoyed Lipa's speech the most 
was not his bride, was not his parents, was not his in-law parents. And not his Rebbe, not Rebbe Nachem Yitzchak either. The one who enjoyed the speech the most was Lipa himself. Lipa looked at everybody, saw how spellbound and fascinated they were, how impressed they were with him. And he said, <laughs> I'm impressive, I'm good. Well, this was a little bit of a flaw, shall we say, as we just discussed until now. Lipa sat and studied Tera for many, many years. His father-in-law proudly supported him. And Lipa came up with an interesting brainstorm. And he went to his shver, to his father-in-law, and he said to his father-in-law, I feel bad. I know I'm supposed to be learning Tata and you're supporting me. And I know there's a big mitzvah for me and for you. But I feel bad. I feel bad that I am not earning my own bread. I want to also involve myself in business. His father was only too happy. Sounded like a good idea. A few hours a day, Lipa would go into the business. The business was international, shall we say, for those days. And therefore Lipa had clients everywhere. His father had clients everywhere. And Lipa was pretty good. He took like a fish in water. And Lipa took to the business and he started making big money. He was doing well. Well, needless to say, Lipa now had his own business. And the money got to his head. Which is not a phenomenon in any which way, form, or fashion. It happens to everyone. Money turns a person's head. And Lipa decided that one of the ways to be successful is good PR. PR, public relations, means you got to be with the socialites. You got to go to parties. You got to go to bars, to dances. And the more Lipa got involved, the less spiritual he became, shall we say. And as the spirituality wore away, Lipa started to float very, very deep into the other level. Until Lipa said, I've had enough of this other life. This is the life I want to live. He bought himself a castle, way out of the town, way away from everywhere. He gave his wife a get, and Lipa was not recognizable anymore as a Jew. The word got to the Nachem Yitzchak. Nachem Yitzchak heard this, he couldn't believe. His prize student, what could have possibly happened to him? And so he decided, took a few Tamidim, they found out where his house was, his palace was, 
and they decided they're going to see him. And they arrive at the door, and lo and behold, the master of the house himself opens the door. And he sees his Rebbe and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, Oh, I was, what are you doing here? Why are you coming here? Why are you bothering me? Adrava. He said, Rebbe, I'm so happy you came. Come, let me show you around. And he shows him around the house and everything that he has, all the riches, the pools, and everything else. And the only thing that the Rebbe was looking for is which room has a mezuzah? Where is there a safer? Where are his tefillin? None of this was to be found. After several hours, the Rebbe felt maybe, maybe just his presence would awaken something, would bring him back. But Lippa was cold like a fish. The Rebbe hugged him and said, please, please, come back to us and they left P.S. at this very time the Holy Baal Shem Tov called over a student Azil Yosef and told him there's a Yid in desperate need of your help travel to this in the city and get him on track well Azir Yasef was a very talented fellow and so Azir Yasef traveled in the interim Ibn Nachim Yitzchak after seeing what happened to his student his, like, his own, like his own child Lipa he took on he had an undertaking every day for 15 minutes after davening to say to Hillel they said till him just for Lipa well time went by over a year as a matter of fact and after the year there's one day Ibn felt he needed to say more tilim. He needed more intense tilim. And for over an hour he sat and cried and cried and cried for the Nisham of Lipa. And then he turns around, the shul is empty. Everyone is gone. There's only one beggar in the corner filthy, smelly sitting there and he too is sitting and saying to Hillam as Ibn Nachim Yitzchak is walking the beggar says to him tell me Rebbe are you saying Tillam Philippa she says yes he says stop you can stop saying Tillam Philippa. What does it mean I can stop saying Tillam Philippa? You can stop saying Tillam Philippa. Lipa no longer needs your Tillam. Oi, the Rebbe said, Oi, my Lipa, what happened to him? 
He thought that Shalipa passed away. He said, Rebbe, you no longer have to say to Hillel for your Lipa because I am here. Rechem grabbed him. He brought him home. He had him washed up. His clothes changed. His day, please dear, my dear child, tell me. Tell me what happened. So I will tell you the truth. You came to my house. You pleaded with me and begged with me, but nothing, nothing affected me. I was very determined to stay where I was. The way I was. But interestingly, I was looking for a worker. I needed a good worker, a sharp worker, a smart worker. And all the different Goyeshi kept that I had, all the different workers that were not Jewish, didn't have that sharpness I was looking for. Ironically, one day, this fellow, Azil Yosef, shows up at my house. So he's looking for work. He says, I'm very capable, I can manage properties, I can do this, I can do, I can do everything. No, you can do everything. Let's see. And I gave him the job. And lo and behold, he lived up to everything he said. He knew what he was doing. He was good. He was good at repairing everything. He was good at fixing things. He was good at everything. Whatever he did was good. Another thing started to happen in my property. This guy, Israel Yasef, was going around and was talking to all the fellow workers. And after a few weeks of Azil Yasef's influence, my whole business here became peaceful, happy, serene. It was just beautiful. He turned the place upside down. Well, can't complain about that. One day I decided to sit down with Azil Yasef. And I said, I heard that in your spare time you sit and study Torah. I too once studied Torah. And I started to discuss Torah with him. And he freely discussed Torah with me. And he was as if a contemporary. He didn't bat an eye, he didn't miss a beat. And I said, where are you hailing from? Where are you coming from? He refused to tell me. But the discussions went deeper and deeper. And they were so beautiful and so inspiring. And then I decided to tell him, to show him my profound understanding of Talmud. And I gave him one of my shetlach, the one that I said by my wedding. I figured I'd impress him, I'd blow him out of his socks. He was impressed, but not over the moon. He even asked me a question or two that started to make holes in it. I saw this is a sign from heaven to me. I insisted, as Yelias, to tell me where he's from. 
And he told me, the Baal Shem Tov sent me, and the Baal Shem Tov sent me to you, to tell you it's time to come back. I heard him out. I said, I'll think about it, and he left. As soon as he left, I thought about it for 10 seconds. I got together all my cheshbonis. I figured out how much my business is worth. My house, everything. I sold everything. I gave away every penny to Tzedakah. And for two months, I'm wandering. And I'm ready to become a chassid by the Bashem Tov. But I said, before that, I need to come to you, Rebbe. I need to come speak to you before I do that. Then he used to say that the Bashem Tov has hundreds of such stories. I once told a story also about the the um, Count of Radzville. Count of Radzville had a friend, Pierre Louis, Pierre Louis, a French fellow. And uh, the whole thing how the Bashemta sent his chassid to go get Pierre Louis, whose real name was Pesach Tzvi. Pretty good, Pierre Louis and Pesach Tzvi. But um, he sent him, and it's a long story. Which no, no, thank you. Which you can probably find in the archives. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. There was a chassid. He was a malamid, a teacher. They used to call him Shlomo the Gela, Shlomo the Yellow One. Shlomo the Gela, amongst all his traditions as a chassid had one very powerful tradition every Sivakastera he would walk to Lubavitch he would walk to Lubavitch and as he got older people started to encourage him and tell him that travel is different today you don't walk stayed his wagons, his horses Shleim insisted and said nothing doing nothing gets between me and my Lubavitch and it would take him weeks now to walk but walk he would every step of the way and he said when I die after 120 years and I come before the Almighty and they'll ask me what did you accomplish? I'll say I walked to Lubavitch every Simchas data. Can you imagine if I take a horse ride a wagon ride and I say I walked to Lubavitch I came to Lubavitch every Simchas data, and all of a sudden in the middle of, middle of Bezden Shemaila a horse comes running and says and I took him I need to argue with a horse. I'll probably win the argument, he said. But I don't want to start up. I don't want to have bring a horse into Canadian to come argue with me. A very integral part of this week's parasha, besides what we spoke about Saita, we didn't speak about Nazir, but in today's Chitas, Birchas Kehanim. A question, a Kayan came over to me on Shvuiz. And he said, Rabbi, I have a problem. 
In Zuchering it says, Amevarech to bless the Jews out of love. Not everyone here in Shul I love. I can think of a few just the opposite. So, in Atlanta, when they're going to read, they're going to watch today's daily clip, I don't know if you saw it yet. <coughs> okay, you'll look at today's daily clip and you'll see how the Rebbe explains the answer to that question. If you don't have it, I'll send it to you. But the bottom line is, said that the Kayach was given to the Kayin. The Kayin is the messenger. But each and every Jew has potential and has within himself the power to bench, to bless a fellow Jew. And it is imperative that we find always an opportunity to bless our fellow Jew. And therefore, may we take a see to build the level from Yivarechecha to the Yosem Lechosholim until the Salmoish Me Abnei Yitzel Vani Yivarechim Place my name on the Jews. I will bless them. And we will do this in Yerushalayim Irakadosh this very Shabbos Shabbat Shalom to all.